0: This is A Fresh Agenda, conversations to connect your productivity and creativity and generate your deepest work. Here's your host, Christina Mendonza. This is A Fresh Agenda, where I chat with innovators, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders. It's a tiny spot in the podcast universe, so I'm glad to have you here for a while. I started this podcast about three years ago as a way to connect with people who inspire me. I was in a professional pivot in my own life, about 27 years in television, in news, three years before that in radio news, and even a couple of years before that in newspaper. So I felt like I'd been swimming in mostly bad news for so many years that I was trying to counterbalance that with information that I thought could really feed people, really help them, like a news you could use, right? And that's what drew me to this podcast. So it started as a big passion project. I'm a big consumer of all of the professional development books, which makes sense that I chose to do my podcast on innovators, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders because this habit of mine goes way back to my teenage years. I remember when I was 19, I was working my first TV job and I had a lot of long drives because it was a small market and uh, it was out in the country, okay? So I would listen to Dale Carnegie and Wayne Dyer and always try to improve the fledgling skills that I had at the time, those fledgling uh, communication skills, right? So from Simon Sinek to Eckhart Tolle, I've kept up, and for decades, I think I've read all of them, or at least most of them. So this podcast was a desire to continue those conversations, to pull some of those things that I found so valuable out of those books, talk to people who were living that kind of life and using those tools and see what else they had been able to glean that I might be able to learn from or that you might be able to learn from. So those who've subscribed already know that through the 98 episodes that we've done, we've talked to people from all industries entertainment icons and authors, music producers, philanthropists, celebrity chefs, scientists, artists. My goal is to boil down their essential messages, find out how they arrived there and how the rest of us could apply some of those lessons. Today's guest was so intriguing because she's had two careers, two very successful careers that on the surface seem so diametrically opposed. Ebi Pomporus. Was a U.S. Secret Service agent She underwent some grueling training After growing up in a very tough and violent neighborhood in New York After her Secret Service career She became a network analyst And host of her own A&E show She went from a career that demands discretion and stealth To a career in front of a camera Where she had to transcend that lens to reach an audience Those are two very different skills Or are they? She's gonna talk a little bit about that. So how do you switch careers like that from one thing to something totally different? I'm reading a book right now called Switchers that outlines how to do that. The author is Dr. Dawn Graham. She is the career director for the Executive MBA program at the Wharton School. She's done many TED Talks, she's written lots of articles and she has this book now called Switchers. And she says you have to do three things. You have to reinvent your expertise, You need to reinvent your personal brand and reinvent your connections. So when I say reinvent your expertise, what she says is that means you need to take regular inventory of your skills, follow the market, especially right now, because it is changing, and make a plan, which may include additional training. Then you need to reinvent your personal brand, which means doing great work to get the right reputation, creating a visible strategy. And then define your brand by reflecting on this question. What do I want to be known for? Finally, reinvent your connections. Take stock of who you know and get to know your current connections better. Then make it a regular priority to reach out to new connections. Networking is a very uncomfortable word for a lot of people. Um, I know I was uh, not very comfortable networking at all, especially as I was coming out of TV and starting my own business. Um, I remember the first networking event that I was invited to, I almost turned around and left. It was like a super rainy night. I was like wet. I was late. I was thinking, this is, what am I doing here? And then I went and after talking to about two people, I felt totally comfortable and it was great. And I made fantastic connections that night. But networking is like your gym workout. Once in a while is not going to cut it. You have to make a regular effort. So that's the very short version of Dr. Don's book. Again, it's called Switchers. And as you listen to my conversation with Evie Pomporis, you're going to hear some of the things she did to reinvent her expertise, reinvent her personal brand, and reinvent her connections. So Thursday, November 19th, Mark your calendars. It is the Folsom Women's Conference, and Evie Pomporus will be the keynote speaker. She's going to talk about resilience, which she knows a lot about. Her book is called Becoming Bulletproof, and she applies so much of the training that she received in the Secret Service to life. It is so relatable and actionable. And I love how she even uses her bulletproof vest as a metaphor for these skills. She talks about uh, the layers and layers of Kevlar fabric needed to create the stopping power against a deadly weapon. And she says they're like the layers and layers of skills and tools that she focuses on throughout her book. It's a great read. And she'll go even deeper into this topic and others at the Women's Conference. And if you aren't within driving distance of Folsom, never fear because you know it's 2020 and everything's virtual this year you can participate from wherever you are in the world it's actually a great opportunity because we have women joining us from australia and from canada and we have evie but it's a whole day of speakers and professional development and networking it's actually a very cool opportunity to connect with other women and connect with businesses in northern california so here's the website to learn more wholesomewomensconference.com. Just go there, grab a ticket, meet up with us on Thursday. I'll be there. I'll be hosting. It's going to be a blast. And for a taste of our incredible keynote speaker, here is my conversation with Evie Pomporas. And I read your book. It's fantastic. A lot of really actionable items in there. But what I love the most is your stories, your stories about your career and how you got into doing what you did. Um, it, it's It was very personal. There was a lot of things you discussed in there that might have been difficult to write about.
1: You know, I think when you can share that personal element of you, it's important Sometimes we read books like this from, you know, other people with special ops backgrounds or SEAL backgrounds or tactical backgrounds and when we read them, we think, wow, that person's got it all together and they're they've they already had those skills and I think it's really important to share your process because you can relate to people because none of us are none of us go into these jobs like, you know, completely put together. Part of it is, yes, you have to apply, and yes, you definitely have to have the qualifications, the passion, the drive, and the determination to make it through. But at the same time, it's it's a process, and it's a human process that you have to go through. It's a transition and an evolution. And I think with the book, I didn't want to just say, here, do this, this, and this, and this. It's Like, here, let me show you what I was taught, how I learned to do these things, and, and put them into not just my job, but having transition into my my life and business and career and on a personal level. And so really in the end, when the book was done, it was the life it's like a life manual. It's like this is you wanna master yourself? Here you go here you go. This is this is everything that I learned by the best of the best from some of the top minds in the country, even in the world, to help you perform at your peak.
0: Right, and that life manual. I mean, often as uh, I think Steve Jobs said, you can only connect the dots looking backward. Um, you start the book talking about growing up in New York and in a neighborhood where you weren't really allowed by your parents to go anywhere. They were always afraid for your safety, and that you gra- that made you gravitate toward a career where you were in charge of other people's safety. I found that so interesting.
1: I think when you you can. We all grow up under different circumstances. So I grew up in a very high crime area, low socioeconomic area. And with that comes a different level of fear. I think we all deal with fear in our lives in different ways. But what happens is, it's interesting, you, you can either allow fear to diminish you more, and now you're further afraid and you grew up with that and you carry that with you as baggage into your adulthood, or you can take these these obstacles and adversities we face and say you know what i'm going to face it down and i'm actually going to go do the the, i'm going to do the opposite i'm going to embrace it and change my circumstances and i think that rather than letting it diminish me and define me i was able to flip it and say not only did i not only am i going to face it but then i'm also going to learn how to protect others because when you grow up in a certain way or i think when we see the people around us being victimized or hurt we you can want you can do something about it you don't have to be a victim yourself and you don't have to be a victim you don't have to allow other people in your life to be a victim and overall the theme of the book is here i'm giving you all the two the tools to help you protect yourself help you to master your life master yourself have agency over yourself that's the most important thing but then i also want to flip it in that now use this to help other people Because when we just focus on ourselves, me, 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 I, 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 just want to be safe. I just want my family to be safe. We really miss the big picture. And really being a Secret Service agent and living that lifestyle, it's about protecting others as well. And I wanted to allow people to kind of see it from that lens. Because when we can help protect each other and look out for one another, only then are we really truly safe and do we really have agency over our world.
0: When did you realize that all of the skills and tools that you had picked up uh, during your training for the U.S. Secret Service would apply to other areas of your life? I mean, obviously, they applied to the areas of your life your, as you're living your life. But when did you realize, I can write these these skills down, these tools, and help people understand them, people who haven't gone through the same training?
1: Julia, it, really e- it was years later. And probably after I had left the service, because I transitioned into a different career in uh, multimedia journalism. I went back to school. I went to Columbia University to study journalism and began working on TV, co-hosting and doing things. So I found myself using the exact same skills that I used to negotiate with people, deal with different countries, deal with politicians, deal with other entities, deal with the public. And I realized, I'm like, I'm using everything I used before. And so I was able to take all that stuff and transition it to everyday life. And then I think something authentic, organically, something started to happen is where people in my, around me, business people, friends, acquaintances would come to me with issues or problems, whether it's conflict related, whether it was a negotiating uh, deal, or whether it was fear related. And asking, hey, how would you do this? And I would sit there and I would break it down into steps. And I would say, okay, look at this assessment. Maybe we're looking at it the wrong way. And i just break it down for people. And after doing that over and over and over and over again, I realized that there's a void, there's a need for information like this out there. And that's how becoming bulletproof came to be.
0: Hm. It, this I'm really curious about your pivot because uh, I had a fa- I, my father before he passed he did work similar to yours I have uh, my closest friend in the world uh, just uh, retired from the FBI I, I have a friend in that was in the CIA and and I've interviewed lots of former seals and other people in intelligence and they're pretty private people I mean the skills it takes to be a multimedia journalist or uh, to be out there on TV and commentating and and hosting a show like you do, those are not natural skills for people who tend to gravitate toward those law enforcement um, careers. So talk to me a little bit about that pivot. Was it very natural for you or was it difficult to learn those new skills?
1: I think it's, I can't say it was natural. I knew it was something I wanted to do. I had performed and done my my current career, and I, I loved it there. And it was just an opportunity was presented to me, obviously. Uh, honestly, it was from uh, NBC. They offered me an opportunity to go on air and began to talk about security issues. Um, and that's really how it started. It kind of planted the seed. And it took me well over a year to decide whether I wanted to do it or not. It might have even been two years before I said, you know what, I'm going to try this. But I've always been, I want to say a risk taker because it's not a risk. I've always been someone who felt like, why not? And even when I went into the service, I was like, well, why not? Why can't I do this? And I feel like we get one life. We get one chance on this planet, however you want to see it. And I feel that we should live to our max. And sometimes being completely safe doesn't always suit us. So I know it may sound a kind of strange saying, I had a safe job with the U.S. Secret Service. I did. I, I earned it. I got there. I worked hard to get it. I knew what I was doing. I was, you know, I was. I had mastered, you know, the job. But then, you kind of look at it like, well, there's something else out there I can do. Now, speaking on air and going on air, that that's something I did have to work on because I'd never. Although we were taught negotiating skills and to deal with people one on one, even to deal with mass groups of the public. You're not used to being out there and being exposed, being on camera, like you're on you're on camera, you've been on the radio for so many years and you've developed the strategies that you need that you have to have that presence. And that was definitely something I, I don't wanna say I struggled with, but I had to work on because I had been behind the scenes for so long. But at the same time, when you're presenting, it's, it's a new version of yourself you're presenting. You're not there being a spokesperson for what, for the agency you're with, you're there presenting you know, an analysis on an event, on a shooting, breaking things down, producing projects behind the camera related to crime, and so it was a for me it was very fascinating. It still is because it's you, you get to take the knowledge I had from a previous career and transition to something else. But I think so many people do that. I think so many people find themselves through an evolution in life where they think, I think I want to do something else, and. I think that for some reason there's this conventional mindset. No, no, once you're in, you got to stay there. And I've never kind of adhered to that mindset.
0: Well, I think you, you nailed it for people right now in this pandemic. I think there are a lot of people wanting to be a new version of themselves. So that that's said well. Um, I want people to read your book, so I don't want to give away all of the tools and tips, but can you give us one, one that um, you think maybe maybe your fans have written back and said, look, this was particularly a value of me to me. What's one of the tools from your book?
1: I think actually just what you said, don't fear change. So we're in a we're in a heightened state, I think, of fear. So many people are afraid, jobs, finances, what am I going to do? People feel lost. and I Actually, right now, I have a lot of people reaching out through social media, through my website, telling me about the struggles they're going through. And it seems like we're, people are so paralyzed by fear. And they'll write to me and they'll tell me, tell me what to do. But in their message, in their email, or in their post, they'll know what they need to do. So it's almost like they want somebody to tell them do this. It's okay. I think often we we look for other people to give us permission or to give us the confidence we need to move ahead. And so the one tool, and the, the one strong meaning in the book was just stop asking everybody for permission. Stop looking for it to everybody else to figure out your problems. Mm-hmm. Take ownership, and we don't take ownership. We want to look to other people, and it's like we have we have all the answers. We always know what to do. We just don't execute. And so don't let fear paralyze you. Fear is a good thing. It keeps you you cautious. It helps you make good decisions. But look at it this way. If you're in a car driving, fear should be in the passenger seat. You drive, it's in the passenger seat. Where fear is a problem is when you completely relinquish all control and you let fear drive and you're in the passenger seat. That's what we don't want.
0: Excellent analogy. I love that. Um, Tell me about your, during your time with U.S. Secret Service, what was your favorite assignment? What was the assignment that gave you the most sense of purpose or the most sense of joy?
1: That's so, wow. No, I can't pick one because it was, of all the agencies, I think it's one of the most extraordinary ones because I was able to do so many different things. Usually agencies are very task-oriented. They do one thing with the U.S. Secret Service One day you'd be protecting the president. The next day you'd be protecting a former president. The next day you would be doing, I'd be doing an interview, an interrogation for a crime. The day after I'd be working on my case. Every day was so unique. And that's what I loved. I loved the, it was so non-traditional. So every day you went to work, you didn't, you had a new assignment, a new task. And it really helped morph me into I don't want to say multitasker, but in a person who can adjust and pivot. And so we didn't really have routines. You had to really be a good thinker. You had to really process information. You had to be decisive, make decisions. And I think going back to what I was saying earlier, we're in a very indecisive state in society. Fear makes us indecisive. Fear makes us not able to make decisions and stick to them. That job really forced me to, to become a decision maker and to own whatever decision I made, right or wrong. You own it. So I think I loved, there were so many aspects of that job that I loved. In addition, maybe probably the, my favorite thing was that I was around other people who are very exceptional in character, and they were very brave, and they were very intelligent. And so when you are around those people on a cons- consistently, that inevitably is going to rub off on you. I, so I was brave and made brave decisions solely because I was around other people who influenced me, who helped make me brave, people rub off on us and they can do that in good ways and in negative ways. And so probably I would say that that was the one most important thing that I loved is like who I was around and your, the other special agents or you know, executive members of the government. When you're around these people and you're, you get to listen and learn, it's, it's extraordinary, the privileges you're given as an individual.
0: That is a really insightful answer on your personality and similar personality types, because what I heard you saying is novelty, novelty in assignment, novelty in uh, people that you're exposed to, just novelty in your life, which makes perfect sense that you would go into what you are into now, multimedia journalism, because every day, again, there is novelty in that career as well.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think it's about just not being afraid to do you. We, we, there's dreamers and doers. Many of us will sit there and we'll dream, we'll dream, I wanted this, I wanted that, but we never execute. And we wait for it to be perfect. We wait for it to look a certain way. And then we fall into routines and then years pass by and we kind of pause and like, well, what did I do? What have I done? And I might be fortunate because I the initial line of work I did was, you know, life or death. And so really forces you to see life as a finite thing. Your time is not infinite. And I think when you're exposed to those realities, when you know, hey, I'm putting on my bulletproof vest today to go stand to the, next to the President of the United States, and today might be the day where it's not just his life, but my life as well, it forces you to look at life and, and think to yourself, did I do everything I wanted to do? And so those moments I think are precious although most people may think, wow, weren't you afraid of them? I think what they push me to do is to live in the present and to examine the present moment, which, again, I bring back into the book where it's like, here are the tools, here are the strategies, here's your life guide. Like, this is, you want to learn from the best of the best? Here it is. But at the same time, it forces you to live in the present moment, to take accountability for yourself, to look at yourself honestly, because we don't do that. We're not very honest with ourselves. And again, going back to what the service was, like, They didn't want to hear excuses. They didn't want to hear why this didn't work. They're just like, what happened and how are you going to fix it? And Mm. that allows you to keep moving forward. And you mentioned
0: the present, living in the present. Let's talk about the present. What are you doing presently that uh, you're excited about, uh, a project that you're working on, something that, um, that really is feeding you right now?
1: You know what I love actually about right now is I'm doing multiple things, and so I'm I have my TV hosting the the, the show that I've been working on, helping behind the scenes on other shows, um, producing and creating ideas. I love the creative aspect of it. Sometimes when you're in government, there's you know it's a very linear type of uh, job. You need to one, you need step two, step three. As in where in television and in, in media, you get to be so very creative. In addition with that, the book, I, I truly didn't realize the depth of reach the book would have. And so currently one thing I'm, I'm launching is a subscription series for people for workshops. Because I'll have people write in, how do you do this? How do you read body language? How do you execute this? How do you do that? And I, I wanted to bring it to people in a way that, one, is affordable because it's so expensive and we don't all have the luxury of being exposed or getting classes and lessons by people with such expertise. So I've been working on creating workshops for people, like classes, like literal classes. I teach as an adjunct professor. And I was like, all right, if I could design my own class, what would it look like? And I remember I wanted to do a master skills class at the, the institution I teach, the college I teach. I'm like, we should teach students, like, mastery over themselves. And you know, I was like, well, how do I do that for everybody? How do I do that for the average person who wants these skills, but just doesn't know where to find them? So that's something I'm very excited about. It's definitely unknown territory, but it's like, all right, how do I, how do I make a lesson plan for people? And how do we help people interject this and and, and put this into their lives? that That should be really interesting.
0: That is going to be a great curriculum. Very interesting. Um, what, what are you going to talk to the, uh, the women at the Folsom Women's Conference about? What are you, what's on your mind? What do you want to say?
1: I think what we want to is to give them the tools that they need for what they're dealing with right now. And I want the message to be more about strength. One thing I don't like to do is to make being, the fact that we're women a negative. And I think sometimes that when I hear dialogue or language, it's presented in such a way that because we are women, that we're automatically at a disadvantage. And I don't, I don't go with that. It's just not my line of thinking. I've Mm -hmm. never had that line of thinking. I've always thought I'm a woman and there's great advantages that come with that. So what I want to do is flip it because there's this narrative that if you are this, then you are a victim of something. And I just don't adhere to that school of thought. I don't think it serves us. I don't think it serves women, So it's kind of like look at your gender in a way that it's almost non-existent. I'm not saying that you're not going to deal with obstacles, but when you yourself are fed this narrative that because you are something, you are less than right then and there, you're allowing other people to make you feel mitigated. And so it's like, I never, I never saw myself as a female special agent although many people refer it to me in that way, I'm like, no, I was a special agent, period. I, my gender, not that it meant nothing to me, like I'm proud of my gender, but that's not what dictated my performance. And so when we let other people get into our head and tell us that because we are of a certain gender or race or sexual orientation or whatever it is, that we are victims. And it's just like, I get things happen and I get life is not fair, it is not. But I don't want to make that the podium from which I speak on. It's like, let's figure out where we're going and moving ahead because there's two ways you can look at it. We can sit and dwell dwell on the problem and live in a problem mindset where all we do is ruminate over what is wrong, what is wrong. And I'm kind of like, well, that's great. We identify what's wrong, but how about we move into a solution mindset where it's like, where do we go from here? And I think we often live in the problem mindset and we can't get out of it. And then we wonder, why am I still struggling? You're struggling because all you're doing is ruminating on why things are not right, why mm-hmm. things are not fair, why this is this, where it's like, let's shift. Yes, we acknowledge it is, accept it for what it is. Now, how do we adapt and move forward? And I think that's where I'm, I'm, my message goes. It's like, let's not dwell on what isn't fair, what isn't right. Let's just, let's focus on us and where we go from here.
0: Great. Well, I'm so looking forward to uh, the conversation with you and, and hearing the presentation. Uh, I do want to ask you one more thing before I let you go. This is something I ask all of my guests on A Fresh Agenda. Um, what is a routine, a habit, a hobby, something that you do to feed your creativity when you're feeling maybe a little, um, a little um, rip, you know, depleted? What do you do? What habit do you have that helps you kind of recharge?
1: That is an awesome question. I have a nightly routine. Every night, almost without a doubt, I do this routine. I work out. I meditate. I do my stretching. I'll do a cold shower. And I'll read or journal or go to bed. I don't journal too much, like points, bullet points. But I do this every night. The research shows that when we create a routine, it creates, um, it grounds us. So because our lives sometimes can be unpredictable, we bounce back and forth, we don't know things, how things are, it it makes us insecure, right, fearful. By having a nightly routine, one, it grounds me. Two, I'm doing things that are important for me. We're so focused on work and the job and this and that. We don't invest time in ourselves and in our bodies and minds. And then we wonder why we're so struggling and we're confused. So that is my nightly routine that grounds me no matter what. My workout every day. I'm not saying I don't take a day off here and there. But that's so important. So how do I prepare my mind and body before I go to bed? Because that's going to dictate how I sleep that night, how well or not well I don't, you know, I sleep that night. And then it sets me in the right mindset in the morning. So I know a lot of people have morning routines. I'm a huge nighttime routine because when I wake up in the morning, I'm I'm clear. I know what I want. I've slept well. And now I'm going to go through my day. Love it. Evie author of Becoming Bulletproof.
0: Thank you so much for your time. So appreciate it. Thank
1: you so much for having me. It
0: was such a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Evie Pomporis. I'm so looking forward to getting together with her this Thursday. And you can too at the Folsom Women's Conference. It happens this Thursday, November 19th. We kick it off at 10 a.m. It goes till four. Um, Evie will be speaking. We also have Colette Carlson speaking on the topic of stress. She has kind of a funny presentation. We have a bunch of professional development clinics throughout the day with speakers. We also have networking events. We're giving away some amazing, amazing items. I'm diamond earrings and i mean just... Yeah, we're doing it up. It's going to be great. So just go to com. Get your ticket. It's virtual, so you can be anywhere in the world. In fact, we have people from other countries that are going to be participating. And I'll be hosting. It'll be a lot of fun. So I do hope to see you there. Uh, Evie's book, by the way, Becoming Bulletproof, so definitely check that out. Um, it is a very good book. I like to get the audio book because then it does feel like a continuation of the podcast or a continuation of the conversation. feels like they're talking to you. So I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you again for being here with me. I'm always honored when I see the listen stats go up and that I know a show is connecting. I love to hear that. Even uh, your comments, if you want to reach out to me, I'm on all the different socials. Uh, You can reach me at uh, Christina at Mendonça Media as well, if you'd like to email me. If you'd like to check out back episodes, just subscribe to A Fresh Agenda on iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud and join me again. We've got like 98 episodes now, so we can spend all day together. Heck, we can spend all weekend together. I'm Christina Mendoza. This has been A Fresh Agenda. Let's stay connected. Conversations to connect your productivity and creativity. This is A Fresh Agenda.